Here we go. Yeah! The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing Link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. Well, the report has dropped, and we've convened an emergency podcast to go over the finer details of what Boris Johnson did and didn't say to Parliament and how much trouble he is in or would be in if he didn't throw a tantrum and resign from Parliament. So do you think, based on this report, do you think he knew what was coming out and what was going to happen to him, and that was why he resigned? Absolutely. Makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Because this report is pretty, it's pretty bad for Boris Johnson. Poor old Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty bad for him. And it's actually worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more tame than this. I didn't think they would be able to prove uh, to the, to the level that I thought that they would be able to prove. I thought they would get to a level where he recklessly made statements, but they've been able to prove as a fact that he deliberately said things that were untrue uh, and acted in a way that he closed his mind off to the truth uh, almost on purpose so that it would kind of throw out this uh, energy that, well, he didn't know because he didn't care to know. Well, and that's so, like that's like yeah. psychopath behavior. That's what they say. You know, when you when you uh, watch any of those true crime documentaries or TV shows, and they talk about a polygraph test, they say, "Oh, well, you know, the polygraph, the you know, the lie detector test, it's not infallible because if you're a friggin' psychopath, you can you, like train your body to not react to the lie, as if you've convinced yourself that it's true." Is <laughs> Yeah. Boris Johnson a psychopath? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> He's convinced himself I, I that his lies are... He's convinced I, himself of the, the truth of his own lies? Uh, definitely. I, I think he has... From what the report seems to say is that he was given many opportunities by people that were close to him uh to change course and he didn't change course sometimes because he didn't take people's advice and sometimes because he chose even though he had heard the advice he chose to act in a different way anyways and just continue to uh say statements that were obviously untrue at the well, time let's let's lay it out from the beginning what what did he do and what was he supposed to do and and why did he lie and what were his lies okay so this is an inquiry it's an inquiry by the um privilege committee in parliament and the privileges committee basically look after uh the conduct of uh MPs and government. So if it, you know you're not allowed to lie, you're not allowed to mislead Parliament by saying 
purposefully saying things that aren't true. And it's just, um, it's, it's as, sort of implied, like when you go, you know, when you go in front of a judge in the States, you have to, you know, hand on the Bible, right hand in the air, do solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And when you speak in front of parliament, it's implied that same oath is implied. Correct. Yeah, exactly. If I, if I look at, yeah, yeah. If, if I look at the summary of, um, the report here on summary uh, number two here. And I encourage if anyone looking at this report, we, we will drop the link to this report that you can see. Of course, this is all public documents. Thank you very much, uh, House of Parliament, for making this public um, and actually making it public on time. They said they would release it at 10.30 and it was actually just before then. So, And you are in London with that. the report in hand, bringing it to us. I am looking. We'll be one of the absolutely. first. I'm in London. Yeah, that's it. For you guys in the States, should be definitely one of the first to get this uh, since I'm in London. And I've, I've got it in my hands. I've got it in my very hands. So very, very, very keen to, uh, to get through this. But if we look at uh, the start of the summary, so on the 21st of April 2022, the House of Commons without division, okay? So nobody, so when, when someone goes up for, uh, they're accused of misleading the House, and they want to report them to the Privileged Committee, the House has to do a vote on whether to make an inquiry or not. And they made the vote, and nobody voted no. It was so unanimous decision. Yes. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no single person that said no. And that's really telling, because that's that's his own party as well, right? So um, so he's he's um, he's been referred to the Committee of Privileges, a matter concerning the content of the right honourable, don't know anymore. Not the right honourable anymore, but <laughs> at the time he was the right honourable Boris Johnson MP for the member of Uxbridge and South Ryslip. That is whether he had misled the House and whether that conduct amounted to condemn uh, contempt. So uh, they go on as well to say our democracy is based on people electing members of Parliament, not just to enable the government to be formed and supported, but to scrutinise legislation and hold the executive to account for his actions. Our democracy depends on the MPs being able to trust that what the ministers tell them in the House of Commons is the truth. If ministers cannot be trusted to tell the truth, the House cannot do its job and the confidence of the public in our democracy is undermined. When a minister makes an honest mistake and then corrects it, that is democracy working as it should. So if you say something in Parliament that is untrue and then you immediately or as soon as reasonably possible come and correct the record, that is absolutely something that is uh, accepted. And usually uh, all the time um, they are not punished for that sort of thing. If, if, if you if you if you accidentally set, say something that isn't true and correct the record, that's completely fine. And this case obviously is completely different. You know, they're trying to prove that he he didn't make uh, a very good effort to correct the record. And seemingly as the as the news stories were uh, progressing at the time, I remember it was sort of like he was barely adding more details to, OK, there weren't any parties. There was a party, but I wasn't there. There were parties going on all the time and I was there for one of them. It was one of these things where he was slowly but surely telling more of the truth as it came out. So that's that's where we're at today. And that's why this inquiry was was uh, put together because, because people the, were concerned. The, the sensation 
was that there were all of these i mean it's it's party gate and and the essence of party gate correct me if i'm wrong there were just like here in the states with the the sensation around people like gavin newsom who went to birthday parties during covid lockdowns with no masking and and no social distancing and none of the controls that they had dictated to the rest of us were being followed so Boris Johnson got yeah. caught for going to one of these parties and was his uh, in, interrogation is probably a much more dramatic word than than should be used here. But when he was questioned about his involvement and in his presence at these parties, he lied about it. And that is what this yeah. report is is telling us. It was it was sort of unknown. He was telling as much of a lie as he thought he could get away with. And then when more information came out suggesting that he was lying, he went, oh, oh yeah, I forgot to include that. Is that basically a good summary? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he was basically saying that the rules, are, uh, the guidance uh, around the COVID uh, guidance was followed at number 10 at all times when he knew that it wasn't. And even if he wasn't at the parties, he would have known that other people inside number 10 we're not following the rules uh, in, a, in a very blazing way. And we'll get into the details of how bad it really was, actually. You know, there's some of the... We're not talking about, like, three people in the room. You know, one of them was an email for a bring-your-own-booze party that went out to <laughs> 200 people. Okay, so... It's just, yeah, we're not it's talking so, about, like... It's yeah. so funny to hear... It, it's so funny to hear these these sort of terms. I mean, you know, the things that you've heard from or, you know, back in high school. Now it's, oh, esteemed right honorable members of parliament are doing BYOB parties during COVID lockdowns, no less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's not like we're talking about like very small fry infractions. Like Boris Johnson was trying to convince us that they had a bring your own booze party number 10 and he had no idea that was going on. <laughs> yeah. Poor Bar it, it Boris. Is... He didn't even get invited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would have been the life of the party. But oh, oh. <laughs> if, we go, if we go to uh, number six here, the point six of the summary, uh, it talks about what they established. Uh, so it says, we established that Mr. Johnson had knowledge of the COVID rules and guidance, which makes sense because he was the one that was telling us all about it every bloody day. Uh, B, had knowledge of the breaches of the rules and guidance that occurred in number 10. Okay, which is interesting. So they're establishing that he knew about the rules. Okay. And what is, he, for the listeners, what is number 10? Oh, so that's number 10 Downing Street. That's our, that's our White House, you know, except it's just, uh, it's just uh, basically a... Uh, a big uh, sort of like uh, terraced house on a street called Downing Street in London. So that's just where the Prime Minister lives and his staff and stuff like that. And these parties were happening in number 10, Garden, and there's there's all kinds of different offices for all the different cabinet ministers. So there's, there's a fair amount of people that live in, in uh, and or at least work at number 10. So there's, and of course, we have no public it, just like you don't have any public really look into the White House all the time. Uh, we have no visibility in, inside number 10. It's all gated off and that kind of thing. Very good. 
And so if we look at, yeah, so if we look at uh, A and B, so they've established that he had knowledge of the COVID rules and guidance, and he had knowledge of the breaches of the rules and guidance that occurred in number 10. And that's really important because if he knew about the rules and guidance and he knew about people breaking the rules, then it would have been an obvious lie when he said to Parliament that he had, that, that he was assured that the guidance was followed at all times because he personally would have known that they were breaking the rules and he knew about the rules. And so that's, he, that's the kind of, yeah. He, he had an, an obligation, of course, as the prime minister to, you know, encourage that the guidance be followed and not allow people to flaunt these rules that have been imposed on the rest of us, right? Absolutely. I mean, everyone else, yeah, it, he would he would be out there almost every week or every morning telling people to wear their masks, telling people do not go outside, do not meet your friends, do not see your girlfriend, stay indoors. Uh, so, you know, it's not something that he is possible of even having an argument about that he did not know, know the rules or the guidance. He was literally there every morning at his little plinth telling us to to stay indoors, the greasy cunt. Uh, okay, so <laughs> we go to number C about they've established that he's, he's misled mid the house. So if we go to C1... Uh, when he said that guidance was followed completely number 10, that the rules and guidance were followed at all times, that events in number 10 were within the rules and guidance, and the rules and guidance had been followed at all times when he was present at gatherings. So that was the first time he misled the House because he's saying that they were followed at all times. There were no events. The events that did happen within the rules and guidance, that's an obvious lie because he knew that they weren't. Um, number two was when he failed to tell the House about his own knowledge of the gatherings where the rules or guidance had been broken. So he didn't actually tell anyone about the events that did break those um, uh, those that guidance until basically the last minute when the Sue Gray report came out. Uh, when he said that he relied on repeated assurances that the rules had not been broken. The assurances he received were not accurately represented by him to the House, nor were they appropriate to be cited to the House as an authoritative indication of attempts compliance with COVID restrictions. So if I break that down, that's basically he was getting assurances from people that the rules had been followed, but he was getting them from people that weren't actually qualified to really say so. He was getting it from like a director of uh, communications, you know, not like heads of staff, but like the a director of communications would be the head of PR. You know, he's the guy that talks to all the uh, news companies and media. So he's he's going to the head of the guy that looks after the media going, did we follow the rules? And the guy from the that looks after the media goes, yeah, I think so. And then he's going to the House of Commons and saying, yeah, well, Simon Case has told me that uh, we all follow the rules, so it's all good. But so he, he was didn't actually he, he was there, right? Wouldn't wouldn't he know for himself? Of course, he knew for himself. He was there <laughs> in the building. That's where he worked. So, so yeah. So uh, apart from the fact that he is trying to say that he didn't know anything about it, and then got assurances from someone else that was completely irrelevant. Um, to that situation. I mean, Simon Case, I think, ended up getting an FPN as well as Boris Johnson. So, you know, he would have been at some of these gatherings. Um, 
And uh, if we go to number four here, when he gave the impression that there needed to be an investigation by Sue Gray before he could answer questions when he had personal knowledge that he did not reveal. So he was basically saying at the time that he couldn't say anything uh, before the Sue Gray uh, before the Sue Gray investigation uh, needed to happen. So he was almost saying like he couldn't answer any questions, a little bit like when there's like an investigation or something. But the investigation hadn't happened at that point. Um, he was saying that he couldn't say anything before the investigation had even started. Um, so that was a complete lie as well, because he wasn't under any duress at that time. And number five, when he purported to correct the record, but instead continued to mislead the House and by continuing denials, this committee. Oh, so man. that's going on. Yeah, so that's that's basically saying that he didn't actually correct the record to any real uh, degree and just kind of stayed with the same line. And even when he spoke to committee, didn't really correct himself there as well. So he held himself in contempt in Parliament and he held himself in contempt when he spoke to the committee as well. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it gets worse and worse. And uh, we go to D here. He goes, was deliberately disingenuous when he tried to reinterpret his statements to the House to avoid their plain meaning and reframe the clear impression that he intended to give. Namely, when he advanced unsustainable interpretations of the rules and guidance to advance the argument that the lack of social distancing at gatherings was permissible within the exceptions which allowed for gatherings, and when he advanced legally impermissible reasons to justify the gatherings. So essentially he was trying to move the goalposts of the COVID uh, guidance to kind of fit the events that had already happened before. So he was saying, oh, it's all oh, right oh. because we had this uh, exemption. Bag. That's so scummy. <laughs> I know. Oh, so man. it's almost everything that Boris did was wrong. He had every opportunity to say, if he had just said, if he just said, yes, there were parties, it was terrible, and we're all going to get fines, and Sugro's going to come out with a report and say that we were all bad, he could have avoided this whole thing. And he would have still got an FPN, which he did, and he would have still, you know, probably got out of Parliament. But he wouldn't have had to go through this whole process. So he's literally taken all the L's in the world because he's had the Sugro report, he's had his FPN. And he's out of office, and he's had this as well. So, well, and this is when you know, ele- this is what elevates UK justice above American justice, in my opinion. Because when this very thing happened to Gavin Newsom, first he lied. He said, "Oh yeah, I mean we were at the party, but we were social distance." And then pictures came out showing him sitting shoulder to shoulder around this table with. 11 or 12 other people, arms around their shoulders, etc. And then he just kind of shrugged it off and nothing happened. No, no, I mean, a, a, a bunch of people cared. A bunch of people had a problem with it. But the mainstream media just let the story go. And I, I don't remember. I think this was actually before a recall election where the residents of two, 2 million residents of California, even more, I think, signed a petition that said we need to have a recall vote for Gavin Newsom uh, to, you know, get him out of the governor's office. And 
Gavin Newsom still won that election with 70% of the vote. Wow. You may continue. <laughs> wow, that's... Uh, yeah, I think it, one of the interesting things to note on this as well is there was a similar investigation done into Keir Starmer as well around this because uh, he was found to have had some kind of gathering at his uh, party headquarters when they were campaigning. And it was around uh, him and Angela Rayner and some other aides uh, having pizza and a drink. Uh, But it was a completely different situation. They were literally working, then having a bite to eat, and then going back to work, and they weren't leaving the office. It was completely different than, like, uh, well, Boris Johnson had a straight-up garden party, so... um, the police ended up investigating them and, and nothing happened. Uh, there was no, there was nothing that they could, that they could find them for. That was, it was all fine. And that would have been consistent with anyone in the UK go, going to work. You would have lunch with the people that you were working with if, if you had to come into work. Well, it strikes um, me, I mean, at least based on this report, that the lies and obstructions are infinitely worse than breaking the COVID guidance. I mean, there is a level of gross hypocrisy with enforcing all of these COVID measures on the population and then having a party, you know, sort of behind everyone's back, but then lying repeatedly and then trying to change the rules to support your lies and then only telling little bits of the truth as you realize that you're not going to be able to uh, stick with your lie because more evidence is coming out refuting your lie. I mean, that's just gross. It's really, it's really bad. It, it shows that Boris Johnson was willing to go to pretty much any length to um, save his image, even if that meant lying to the public and lying to the parliament. And he's even tried to undermine this process, um, which, by the way, the the Privileges Committee has a conservative majority, okay? So it's a cross-party thing, but there's three Tory uh, MPs on there. It's chaired by a Labour MP. There's there's two uh, Labour MPs in there, and then there's one MP from the Scottish National Party. So it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's with a Tory majority, it's, it's kind of hard to make the argument of kangaroo court and you know political assassination because why would the tory party assassinate one of their own um it's 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 uh yeah so it's it's um yeah it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry when it comes to that uh, if we just go down a little bit more in uh in the summary there's something that nobody is talking about uh, which I thought was extremely interesting and something I was not expecting. And no one, I don't know why anyone is not talking about this. And it has to do with Boris Johnson's resignation. So it says in number 15 here on the summary, we shared our provisional conclusions with Johnson, uh, Mr. Johnson, on the 8th of June, 2023 inviting him to make further representations. So he was given the report before we got it publicly, and that's pretty commonplace uh, because the 
it's not like a legal thing. It's 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 more like a where this it's a, it's an inquiry. So the person that they're inquiring into um, gets early access to all this sort of stuff, so they can make rebuttals and give back evidence and stuff. But what ended up happening is obviously on the ninth, he then resigned and made very fast public statements. And what's interesting about this is in number sixteen here in the summary, it says. Um, on the 9th of June 2023, before the committee had completed its deliberations and delivered its report to the House, Mr. Johnson made a public statement responding and criticising the inquiry and the committee's provincial conclusions. That was in breach of the express requirements of confidentiality imposed by the committee and the ordinary requirement that the committee material is confidential unless and until the committee determines that it should be published. So by Johnson resigning and going public, saying that they found him, you know, that they, they're saying all this stuff about him in the report and going public with it, he has again held himself in contempt of this democratic process. Yeah, that strikes me as that. More, dis- more obstruction. It's more obstruction. He has literally been told you are not allowed to, to talk about any of them. You can talk about. You know that you're in uh, this inquiry, or whatever, but you're not allowed to to talk about any of the contents, or the deliberation hadn't been finished yet because it hadn't been published. It hadn't even been sent to the house yet, and the house is supposed to say something on it so that they can deliberate on it first before Mr. Johnson comes out and goes crazy with it. But he's made this whole PR thing, and uh, it was against confidentiality. So it's just been another la- layer of contempt that um, Boris Johnson has has uh added to this which is i think is just completely and utterly disgusting because he is quite obviously publicly attacking what should be our only line of defense at keeping ministers in of parliament uh accountable to to the public uh, and to other elected officials well that makes me think he is attack- yeah that, that makes me think two things one he was trying to get out in front of it is is how we refer to it in the states when there's <clears throat> when there's bad news coming you know a lot of times campaign managers or attorneys whatever you like will say okay we need to before this report comes out we need to make a public statement to usually it's you know accept responsibility tell the truth that the report is going to show, and then we'll try to salvage a little bit of our honor and integrity by doing it this way. Of course, I don't think that was Boris Johnson's motivation, but I wonder, and and give me your thoughts on this, do you think that Boris Johnson maybe thought that if he jumped out there in front of the microphone, spewed all of this nonsense, that maybe it would discourage the the inquiry from releasing the report? Was there ever a prayer of that? Uh, and also, and also by 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 not only spoiling the the information, but also by resigning, that he would maybe have have been able to avoid the report coming out. Or do you think it was coming out no matter what? I think the report was coming out no, no matter what. I think this is more of a political uh, or pu- public image thing for him. I th- I think well, it even says in the report here, which is which is on 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 the lines of what you're talking about. It says. Um, 
It says, right after what we just talked about, uh, a committee determined that it should be published. This was done before the committee had come to its final conclusions at a time when Mr. Johnson knew the committee would not be in a position to respond publicly. So he said all this stuff at a time when he knew that the committee could not do any public kind of rebuttal to this. So you're totally right. He was trying to get out ahead of this and just... Because he was resigning, it didn't really matter if they found him in contempt because it's not like a legal thing where you go to jail or get fined or anything. You just get sanctioned in the house. And if you're resigned, then you're not in the house, are you? So um, it says Mr. Johnson's conduct in this, in making this statement is in itself a very serious uh, contempt. So I think Mr. Johnson was trying to, or, or Boris was trying to get out in front of this story, make himself look like a martyr that had been, you know, sacrificed on the cross by some crazy kangaroo court, you know, thing. And he's had a few days ahead of this. You know, he's had six days uh, to completely dismantle this report before it's even come out, even today, attacking the, the members directly. Um, which is just uh, another level of 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 disgrace, really, on him. Um, what's interesting when you go to uh, section uh, seventeen is that um, the house as a whole uh, makes that decision. So, like, basically, this gets put down to the house, and the house, uh, the House of Commons, gets to vote on whether they agree or not. They can actually make amendments to it, etc. Um, and it says the committee pre- provisionally concluded that Mr. Johnson deliberately misled the House and should be sanctioned for it by being suspended for a period that would trigger the provisions of a recall of MPs Act 2015. So that would um, trigger some kind of by-election in his in his constituency. So there'd be a, there'd be a, a, an, a, an election just in his local area. Right, because um, in, but initially, or, or all, all of the speculation through the media, you know, leading up to the release of the report said they thought that he was going to be suspended for 10 days. Now what are, and, and, and that that could lead to the, the recall uh, or, or the, the by-election. What is like, what's, what's the cutoff? Like how many days could he have been suspended without risking the by-election? So I think the, I think the the number that they were going to suspend him for was, I think, around like ten days. I think that's how many it takes for to trigger a by by election. Okay, it's actually quite a small amount. Yeah. But what's interestingly enough is, I think that's where the level they were at before Boris did all this public hoo ha on the ninth. So they go uh, a little bit further here in light ah. of Mr. Johnson's con- conduct in committing a further contempt on the ninth of June, twenty twenty three. The committee now considers that if Mr. Johnson was still a member, he should be suspended for the service of the House for 90 days for repeated contempts and for seeking to undermine the parliamentary process by deliberately misleading the House, deliberately misleading the committee, breaching confidence, impugning the committee and thereby undermining the democratic process of the House, being complicit in the campaign of abuse and attempted intimidation of the committee, and we recommend that he should not be entitled to a former member's pass. Ouch. Uh, so it's, it's uh, yeah, so I think it, it was already bad. And then on the 9th, it, it was like, okay, we're just going to drive the axe right through your skull on this because you're just being a complete dick about the whole thing. Yeah, I think he kind of got what he was asking for. I mean, 
I don't, I just feel compelled to say, you know, I, I wasn't at the party. I didn't hear any of the discussions. I didn't see anything that was going on. I didn't hear any of the lies. I don't know any of the facts surrounding the lies. But setting all of that aside, based on this presentation, I have reasonable confidence in the integrity of this reporting and of the integrity of the, the justice system of the United Kingdom. It sounds like he really is getting what he deserves. It sounds like he really went overboard to make things worse for himself. How does he... Yeah, it's, it, sounds very, uh, it sounds very Richard Nixon, like he was trying to... You know, he was he was trying as as much as possible to dismantle uh, every single like piece of evidence or inquiry or any anything that could potentially look bad for him. There's a lot of eerie parallels between the events of history and the events of today, with. Richard Nixon and Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler and uh, Joe Biden. It's uh, discouraging because, you know, they say history repeats itself. And, you know, the world definitely doesn't need another Hitler or another Richard Nixon how how does Boris Johnson come back from this? I mean, that's what he says, or that's what he said after this statement, right? I'll be back. You know, my signature sign off when I was doing a solo podcast. I'll I'll be back. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know because to to, to be a member of Parliament, he he's, he will need to, unless he wants to be an independent, which he's more than more than within his rights to try and be an independent. He will need to sign up with some sort of party. And the level of contempt he has had for other MPs, his own party, other parties, I can't see any other party wanting to do business with this guy anymore. Why would you put him in your party when he is literally on record trying to dismantle everyone around him, lying to people, and when he gets caught, continuing to lie, and even worse, trying to somehow uh, stupefy and uh, break up the very fabric of what he's trying to investigate you for. So it's, it's, it's extremely, it's extremely fascistic, uh, you know, uh, behavior. It's, uh, you know, I don't want people to say like, oh, is it fascist? Like, like, like Hitler, it's it's not like that. It's um, it's 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 very it's very fascistic. It's very like, you know, uh, my my, you know, my way or the highway kind of thing. Where he just doesn't give a shit about anything about how the rule of law or the rule of parliament or anything. He he just has complete contempt for all of us as the public, all the MPs, all the rules, even his own rules. He doesn't even follow his own rules that he made in, in COVID. Well, and so I could I, even, I just, yeah, I could even understand how certain politicians could see beyond all of that. But what I don't understand is how anybody could work with someone when you can't trust anything that they say, 
And for me, yeah. that's that's the position that Boris Johnson is in right now. You can't believe a word he says. Because not only did he lie initially, then he kept lying. He got caught about lies and he continued to lie to cover them up. Then he tried to change the rules to coincide with his lies. And then he lied even more to try to obstruct the, the discovery of all of his lies. So how could anybody put themselves in a position to work with a person like that? I mean, talk about just sending your anxiety through the roof. Oh no, I've aligned myself with Boris Johnson and I can't ever believe that he's telling me the truth. How could any sensible person put themselves in that position? Uh, it's, it's insane, isn't it? And even worse, when shit hits the fan, which apparently in Boris's career, it's, it's not like an if, it's when. You know, pretty much everything went wrong. So you have to expect that if you work with Boris, something at some level is going to go wrong. And when that does happen, you know, he's not going to take it lying down. He's going to turn to you and throw you under the bus, which is exactly what you did to Simon Case. Because he said, oh, well, I got assurances from Simon Case. And Simon Case goes, what the fuck? I didn't say I'm just the bloody director of, of communications. And so he's going to turn to you and go, well, I'm going to throw you under the bus. I'm not going to take the heat for, for this. So is you've there, got someone that's a habitual liar. Is know? there any more of this report that you would like to go over? Because I, I would have like to go over. Um, I would like to go over just a, just a few things that I think it's probably worth our listeners hearing about um, the procedure of this report and just to back up some of its uh, validity and also the limits of the report as well, which is, um, so just to go through, uh, so number nine on the introduction, this committee is made up of members of parliament who have been appointed to this role by the House of Commons. So that's basically saying that the committee is made up of uh, elected officials that are elected by the public and those elected officials are then appointed to this role by other elected officials. So it's completely democratic thing that should remove all that sort of sentiment out of your mind that Boris is talking about that it's some kind of unelected sort of EU style legal system or something like that. Nope. And and the That's general the general feeling of the public is that this is a fair, nonpartisan, unbiased committee. Definitely. Uh, if you look at the committee breakup, it says right here the committee comprises of four conservative three opposition MPs, two from Labour and one from Scottish National Party. So you've got you've got a, a four to three majority on the Conservative side. Um, and considering that they've come up with this scale of report, you know, there's no question in my mind or should be in anyone's mind that they have looked at this issue with objective, uh, objective, objectivity uh, and impartiality. So that's that's a really good one. Um, they, they go on to say, having said that, we leave our party interests at the door of the committee room and conduct our work in the interests of the House. But I completely believe that because if they were partisan and they had four, you know, they had a majority of, of conservatives, they would be doing everything possible to try and save face with Boris. And they obviously have not done that. <laughs> they have not uh, pulled any punches. It seems like it would be easy to do with Boris Johnson. I mean, given his conduct so far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, he, the, Boris is, is is just architecting his own demise, you know, in every single angle. I mean, you see the the conduct he has with people. He just 
he just doesn't care. He just he just doesn't care. He thinks the rules don't apply to him. Yeah, he's he's put uh, his own that, head on yeah. the pike. In my he, estimation, he really has, and and I, I think he could probably convince some of the public to vote for him still, um, because some of the public won't see the support or really care about it. Um, right. But but in terms of the MPs, because that's really who he has to convince now, because if he wants to be a member of parliament for a particular party, he has to be nominated in inside the party. And so, I don't know, I think at least for the next four or five years, I can't see him being anywhere near the Conservatives. I mean, he's just so far beyond what uh, they're probably wanting right now. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody, I mean, I don't see how anyone in their right mind would agree to work with him again. No, ex- exactly. Um, just a little bit about the House procedures. Um so the whole process was shared with Mr. Johnson as it went through. So uh, he was given a lot of uh, he was given a lot of the the details and the way they were going to proceed with their report and the way they were. So he had complete transparency over how they were going to um, proceed making this inquiry. Um, and it looks like they haven't used um, any materials from any other investigations. So they didn't use any materials from the Sue Gray report. They have used uh, materials that were in uh, the public domain, and they've also done their own investigations on their own time. Um, so everything that they've uh, obtained for this inquiry is has come from first parties with no hearsay. So just like a legal system, as as well as uh, yeah, as as well as stuff that's in in the public domain, which which can't be uh, disputed. So that's 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 a really good sign. Really, I, that tells me that. Okay, the investigation is impartial, nonpartisan, and the way that they gathered it, gathered evidence seems to be in a fairly uh, sensible place. And so, from from that aspect, you go well. Then there's no real reason you can call it a kangaroo court because if their reasoning off the evidence is nonpartisan, and the way that they gather the evidence is in a fair way, then there's kind of no reason that they can come to some sort of manufactured ending. Um, to their uh, to their investigation. So I think we've established a lot there. There's a lot of information we've, we've just gone through, and I highly recommend you at least, um, I don't know about reading the whole of the 108 pages of this report, reading the whole summary and reading the whole introduction is really good because it gives you a great sense. I think I've read all the way up, every single word, right up to, to page uh, 16 or 17, right up until the point where uh, it goes into Mr. Johnson's knowledge of individual gatherings. Um, and it's a really good uh, report, actually, in the first sort of a third of it, because it gives you where they, what they uh, came out with, how they established this, and starts to delve into some of the detail behind um, what Mr. Johnson was saying at the time. So I hope that helps. Uh, I've tried my best to break down some of the more you know, complicated jargon and how these decisions are made and how this uh, uh, this thing was put together. Um, so I hope that helps a bunch of people over the pond and maybe in the UK as well, if they're not really following this story that closely um, and break it into a process that is easy to understand. Well, it's very refreshing to see justice done the way justice 
should be done. And uh, I thank you for this excellent presentation of the report on the conduct of the right honorable Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the poor bastard. I, I, yeah. I, like you, I would be very surprised if he returns, you know, in, in less than, than five years. Although the public has a very short memory. It's, uh, we need to lean we need to lean on this report or i should say the the electorate in the uk needs to lean on the evidence in this report when it makes its decisions about boris johnson in the future it uh you know don't forget keep it in you know yeah, in the I, front of your mind i agree we're going to have to try and who boris johnson really out. is is on on display in this report it's uh it's gross why are politicians so gross? I, know, I, I don't. I don't know. It's just like uh, I don't know. I mean, well, you know what I think it is. I, mean, I I know we need to wrap, uh, but just my my final thought here, and and I think this transcends governments, politicians. These old politicians. How old is Boris Johnson? Ballpark. Oh, he's like yeah. He's he's in his forties, I think, or something. Oh, really? Pretty young. Well, then he has no excuse. But I think some of these older politicians in the states, Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein and Joe Biden, especially, they don't realize the level of access to information that the public has. And, and even more so, the, you know, these investigators who have access to information that even the public doesn't have access to, you can't just lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and have these lies go undiscovered. I mean, there's tapes and tapes and tapes of Joe Biden spouting lie after lie about his time in law school. And all of these lies have been discovered because the public has such access to information. Now the effort is, oh, bury the information, delete it from the Internet. And that's why we need to hold on to this report. Download it to your machine. Screen grab every page because... This is the, this should serve as the constant reminder to at least who Boris Johnson is and what you can expect from him moving forward if you decide, however misguidedly, to put your faith in him again. Absolutely. Because if he behaves like this in Parliament, you know, where the bar is much higher for what you can get away with, you know, imagine what he does in public life when he's on the news when he's in the media talking to the public where he where loves to no be recourse. Yeah. Where there's no recourse for him to say anything. So that's, that's where you have to think, well, you know, if there's no recourse for him to lie in public, then he can just say whatever he wants. And he's, he's very convincing to many people. Well, Mr. 404, thank you for that excellent report. Don't forget to like share and subscribe to this podcast. And uh, we will be back next week. Cheers.